Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into a consistent income. Today, we've got a great guest with us, Steve Benlin, who is the author of his new book, Spiraling Up. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeremy. It's great to be here. Well, Steve, I always love having an author on the show, and your book is Spiraling Up, Discover Financial Serenity, Make Work Optional, and Live Happily in Retirement. I can't think of anyone that doesn't like those ideas. <laughs> yeah. So t- tell us about the book. We'll maybe go not quite in the exact order in the title, but Tell us about Make Work Optional. How, how does that look? Sure. I've been fortunate to work with some very successful people. One of the things that they have in common is eventually they make work optional and they're pretty good at, pretty good at it. So I started to write a book about making work optional. And what I realized was I kept coming back to the same question, which is why make work optional? What's the point? And that really led me to values. Values are just, you know, what, whatever is important to us as individuals. It may be to spend more time with family. It may be to give back. But once you know what your values are, then it led me down this path of principles because principles are the guidelines that connect our values and our actions. So that led me to develop the seven principles of financial serenity and uh, it's it's been a really interesting journey. Yeah, I imagine. So a lot of people think of retirement as if make work not happen at all. And you're saying make work optional just means you've got a couple of things going on. One of them is that you have enough income that you don't need the the salary or the the money from working. The other one is that if if you have that income but you're still working, it's because you want to, not because you have to. I, exactly. I imagine that's a uh, now, now you've said you've worked with a lot of people that have gotten to that point. What are maybe some ways that they've gone through and maybe just chosen the work that was optional, not not just the saving to get to the point, but how do they go about even deciding what work they would would be doing? Yeah, so there's many things that stand in all of our way of financial success. And that's really where I start the story in the book. The first chapter is is what makes financial success so elusive. And those things are, you know, there's consumer culture, there's the media and social media, there's the changing retirement landscape and our limiting beliefs, all of which sort of stand in the way. So those who have made work optional, they don't necessarily want to stop working. They don't necessarily want to retire. They just want to know that they are working because they want to, and they have found a way to overcome all of those obstacles. Yeah, you've you've heard of the people that just can't retire. They they go full bore to the end, and I think sometimes that's a situation, almost more of a um, more of a, a antisocial mental hangup. It's it's almost like a <laughs> negative that you're seventy or eighty and and working, uh, even though you don't have to. It's it's like they have it inside them that they have to work. So I, I see exactly right there where you've got the idea that's your beliefs and it's your mental makeup and decision-making that needs to be worked through to say, okay, yes, I can keep working. No, I don't have to, 
So let me find a, a way to get the joy out of the work without having to you know, go through and, and perhaps put in the, the stress that comes out of work sometimes. That's right. And, and a lot of this comes out of introspection. I have seen that. And I've also seen people, um, it's pretty rare. Some people can completely stop working and be happy, but I found that most people need some, something to get them out of bed in the morning. So many of our clients, what they do is even though they don't want to completely stop working, they'll find a way where they can work as a consultant for their firm or they'll start sort of a side project, something where they can work when they want to and make a little bit of money, but they're not dependent on that income. Yeah, that's great. Now you mentioned your clients. Tell, tell us a bit about the, the work that you do right now for yourself. So yeah, we're a uh, full, full service financial planning firm. So we do both the investment management and financial planning, which for most of our clients, they generally find us within five years of retirement and they're ready to make that transition. So that's really where we specialize as opposed to helping people who are starting off building their wealth. Most of our clients, they've come to us and they have good habits, kind of like that millionaire next door mindset where they've spent less than they've earned for decades and they've built up this nest egg but now they realize, well, we have, you know, say a million dollars and a million dollars, if we're used to a combined income of a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars a year, you divide that into a million dollars, that's you know, 10 years or less of income, unless they can find a way to make it grow and also combine it with things like social security and any pensions they may have. Yeah, for sure. I, I was talking to someone the other day, trying to explain to them that, because we're in the same boat as well, that we're helping people out in the last five years towards retirement. Mm -hmm. And they're basically saying, well, don't you help uh, somebody young get started and build their foundation? And I was trying to think of some sort of analogy and that's absolutely wonderful, great work. And the analogy we came up with together was, it's kind of like the difference between rough carpentry and finished carpentry. And any mm. rough carpenter can probably do the finished carpentry and vice versa, but it's the, the rough carpentry where you're, you're actually framing the house and building the house, like 85, 90% of it's done. Like that's the stuff that is going to make sure the house actually stands the, the finished carpentry, you know, coming in with the, the cabinets and the, the woodwork, that's all kind of what makes it nicer to live in the house compared to actually making sure the house doesn't fall down. And so that's kind of what we're doing. We're the, we're the finished carpenters of the financial planning world where mm -hmm. you've already built this great financial house to success. And yet there are certain things you can do to improve upon it. Just make sure that it works the best. And so I, I don't, how do you feel about that analogy? You're the first yeah. one I've tried it out on. So <laughs> I think it's a great analogy. I haven't thought about it that way, but it makes a lot of sense. And there are, like you say, there are some great financial planning firms. I have friends who run similar firms and they love working with younger people who are building their assets. That's their niche, which is a great one. It's just different from what our firms do. You got it. Well, a fellow uh, retirement planner here, love having you on the show. And part of your book was live happily in retirement. I, I imagine that's a, that's a good success that we want our clients to have is, is make sure they're living happily in retirement. What did, what did you write about there? So probably the biggest thing to know when you're talking about living happily in retirement is starting off by knowing what your values are, because we're all sort of bombarded with these messages practically from birth, where um, 
the media, advertisers, television, commercials, they tell us what we want. And we may think that you know luxury goods are what we want because that's what we're told. But if you talk to people, I, I give some interesting uh, examples, some stories of lottery winners who went out and bought you know all the Gucci bags and Chanel bags that they wanted, and they realized it wasn't very fulfilling. And it turns out that the reason was that's not part of their value system. When somebody's values are, for example, to spend more time with family, you can buy all the luxury items you want and it's not going to be fulfilling. So that's really step one of living happily in retirement. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of steps, and you mentioned it earlier, the seven principles or that you discovered that there certain principles, but you put in the book, seven principles of financial serenity. Before we get in there, I've got to tell you a quick story. I always like before these podcasts to try to disconnect a little bit about from what I was doing beforehand, try to transition over. It usually means that I watch about five or 10 minutes of Seinfeld on Netflix. <laughs> and I'm curious, are you a Seinfeld fan? Did that help with the uh, the idea of financial serenity with uh, yeah. George's dad I, on Serenity Now? Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And of course they use the idea of serenity now as kind of a joke, but it's a serious thing. Like that's, that's a great word. If you think through it, like that's truly what you're, you're looking for is just being joyful and, and, and peaceful about your retirement. And there's ways you can get there. So many people are stressed about it and you've yeah. come up with these great principles. Uh, let's, let's go through, we'll see if we can hit all seven, but what's the, what's the first one for you? Sure. So the first three, I'll just say three of the principles, they deal more with our inner world or mindset. Mm -hmm. And then the last four are more practical tips and tricks that you actually use to manage your finances. But the first one is simply focus on what you can control. Right. Many of us spend a lot of time railing against, say, new tax laws or politicians or what's happening in the economy. However, we have very little control over any of those things. And if we instead focused on the things we can control, we would find that we have much more agency, much more control over our lives, and we're a lot happier. Um, so a simple example is, you know, say uh, tax laws change and income is taxed at a higher rate. There's not a whole lot any of us can do about that tax law, but we can research whether it's on our own or if we have a financial planner, we can find out, well, what are changes in the tax law that may allow us to shelter more income so we can keep more of what we earn? Right. I like to say, and this is why I think we connect so well. It's, it's funny actually here. So I like to say, focus on what you can control, protect against what you cannot control. And exactly. you start and finish with that. So focus on what you can control is number one. Later on, number seven, we'll get to there is manage risk, which is exactly protecting against the things you cannot control. But your other two were accept that wealth is a state of mind and cultivate a growth mindset. Could you go through those with us? Sure. So wealth being a state of mind, we have some uh, clients who they have their quote unquote millionaires. Being a millionaire today is not what it was even you know, 10, 20 years ago. So even somebody who has, say, a million dollars needs to be very careful about how they manage their money. But we have some clients who are sort of at that level who live very well, who go on nice vacations, who appreciate what they have. 
And there are plenty of examples of people, one of, one of which I won't spoil it, but I tell a story at the beginning of that chapter about somebody you know, worth hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars who thought of themselves as penniless. Mm. So that's sort of half the battle is understanding, appreciating what we have and understanding that wealth is a state of mind. I don't think quite as many people know what a growth mindset is, but very briefly, a uh, scientist at Stanford University, Carol Dweck, did research decades ago on what she termed a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And she found that students who had a fixed mindset, for example, they thought that they were born with a certain amount of math skills and nothing they did would improve that. Mm -hmm. um, they tended to have less worse outcomes than those who had what she termed a growth mindset. They believed that their math ability was a function of how much time they spent learning about math. I contend that your finances are no different, that we all, if we have a growth mindset and we approach it with an understanding that, hey, this may not come easily to me, but if I spend some time learning about finances, I can get good at this and build the financial life that I want. Yeah, you got that. And that's uh, it's wonderful to start right there with the the mindset and the kind of the the, the, I don't know what the right word would be, but maybe the behavior parts of it, like mm -hmm. your choices, your thoughts, like those are all things you can control is your, your thoughts, your, your, how you approach things. And then of course, it's good to get some technical details. I think you were sharing with me earlier that, uh, in your business, you've got a business partner who is very technical focused in the market and yes. you're more interested on the psychology of money, kind of the way we view wealth. And clearly you need both of those. It's working well for you and your business. And you, you put that right there in the book. And I think you put in the right order that mm. having your money psychology correct is going to be the, the biggest foundation part of it. Uh, but you still got to get the details right. And so here you right. go uh, with four great uh, ideas. Let's, let's go through those. Uh, what are the, the technical things you ought to go through to, to yeah. make sure you're doing well? The, the fourth principle is understanding your personal financial statement. So personal financial statement consists of your income statement and your balance sheet. And um, without getting too technical, I get into a lot more details in the book, but very simply, as long as someone can keep their income higher than their expenses, or conversely, their expenses less than their income, they have a surplus coming in. And with that surplus, they can, so that's your income statement. With your that surplus, you can improve your balance sheet. Your balance sheet is simply, as you know, the, the assets that you have, which are the things you own versus the liabilities you have, which are the debts. And you want your assets to be higher than your debts. When you subtract debts from assets, that's your net worth. So to, the way to build this foundation, the way to build this net worth is to make sure your income is greater than your expenses. And with the surplus, you can pay off your debt or you can invest in assets that produce income. And when you do that, it creates a sort of positive self-reinforcing cycle. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal Podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. 
we broke down our five-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com, use the number or spell it out, you'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening, and now for the rest of the show. Yeah, I was just reading a book about, it's actually called Money Magic, uh, and it's by uh, Professor of Economics, Larry Kotlikoff. Uh, we're mm. hoping to get him on the show. So stay tuned to our listeners there. Anyone listening, come back to the show and learn more from Dr. Kotlikoff there. But he talks about debt, especially mortgages, where everyone thinks that a mortgage is, is good debt, wise debt. And he gives the example that basically if you have a you know a $200,000 mortgage at, well, when he was writing the book, two and 3% was probably the right mortgage rates. Now it's more like five or six percent mm-hmm. on there. But let's just say you have, a, we'll go with 5%. You have a 5% mortgage and you think that's a good thing, but you have the same amount of money in the bank at 1% if you're lucky. I mean, you're just losing there, right? It's, it's right. You're, you're basically getting paid 1% to go lose 5%. And, and when you say use debt wisely and pay it off, it's a little bit of both. Like you probably, especially for your first house, can't quite get that first house without the mortgage. You want to be wise with it and and not overextend yourself. And also a good goal of debt is to pay it off. Exactly. Yeah. That ties in perfectly to the fifth principle, use debt wisely and pay it off. And you're right. I, I live in Southern California in here in Orange County. The average home is, you know, I mean, the median is getting close to a million dollars. So very few people would be able to buy a home without taking on debt, at, you know, initially, as you said. Right. Um, but if you if you take advantage of the mortgage interest deduction and you don't buy more home than you can afford, and you put yourself in a position to pay it off, I, I would agree with Professor Kotlikoff and you that it makes sense to to pay it off when you have other funds that are earning less interest. Yeah, right on. Now, number six, that uh, is develop good financial habits. What are some great financial habits that people can use to develop? One is to just be consistent and look at your finances. You know, even if it's just once a week, if you can use a program like mint.com, which is a free program, that will, and for those who aren't familiar with it, you can put in your username and password for your bank account, for your credit cards for your checking, your mortgage, all of your, uh, oh, your investment account. And you can see on one page, all of your assets, all of your liabilities or debts. You can see your income coming in, your expenses going out. So that's one really simple habit where you could sort of tie it. I, I, I talk a lot about the book. I talk in the book a lot about how to build habits And one way is to tie the habit with something else that you're already doing. So if you're someone who enjoys, you know, a a coffee at at, um, a coffee shop and you go say every Friday morning, then you can just say, Hey, for the first 10 minutes, when I sit down and enjoy my coffee, I'm just going to take a look at mint and see where things stand. That way you get into that habit and it's less intimidating. If you put it off and only look at your finances when there's a crisis, then there's more likely to be a crisis coming up. If you look at it once a week, at at least there are going to be fewer surprises and you'll be on the right track. 
Yeah, it's just, and like I said, once a week and kind of focused on the, the bank part of it, I think it's a great idea to look at your bank accounts and your credit cards statements almost every day because you could catch mm-hmm. fraud or maybe see, wait a second, if you're you know married or in a you know near your shared account somehow, then you can see like, wait a second, somebody's spending uh more than we expected. Maybe it's me <laughs> that's spending more than expected. Uh, but oddly enough, with your investments. The less you look at your investments, all the studies show the better off you are. So we see yep. people all the time that look at their 401k balance daily. And guess what happens when they see seven days in a row of the market going down, which can happen. They they think it's going to happen mm-hmm. forever. You know, and think about your, your house prices. A lot of people say, oh, housing is such a great investment. And they think it only goes up. Yeah. Cause they only look at it once every 10 years when they sell a house and if you looked at the stock market once every 10 years, you might have that similar <laughs> similar thought that it only goes up because you didn't bother right. looking at the, the days that goes down. And guess what? Your real estate probably can lose value every day and go right back up again. You're just looking at two different things. That's a great way to look at your investments is less often, but I think, and I, why you started with your your bank account information, your your bank info, your, your credit card info, that's stuff you'll look at at least weekly, I'd say uh, mm-hmm. on there. Yeah. Yes. Well, your, your final one is managed risk and that's tying off. love this. We weren't expecting this, but going through, love it because it ties into how we uh, say things that focus on what you can control and protect against the things you cannot control. And risk is something you can't control, but you can certainly manage it. How would people go about that? You're right. Yes. And, and it's interesting that you say that because the reason why focus on what you can control is the first principle is because that ties into all the other principles in some way. And one of those is managing risk, as you, as you said. So a few different ways. Um, managing risk, we're trying to plan for the unexpected. And the way we do that is through insurance and through estate planning. There are also ways to manage risk with your investments. So managing risk with investments, there are a lot of different strategies, but a simple one is diversification, where you, in other words, you don't put all of your eggs in one basket. When it comes to insurance, it's, it's just understanding what you want to protect. And with insurance, all you're doing is you're trading a known small payment called the premium to protect against a unknown potentially catastrophic event. So one of those things is simply, you know, house insurance or insuring your homeowner's insurance, paying a small amount each month, you know, it may be $100 a month or less or more, but that's a known amount. And if there is a catastrophic event, you know, you're going to be covered. So even though we don't sell insurance, we're not licensed insurance agents, we will refer our clients to somebody who can help them in that area. We do the analysis and show them where they might have potential risks. And we make recommendations showing them, you know, whether it's life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care insurance to pay for medical expenses later in life. We at least show our clients, this is what it would cost. And then they ultimately make the decision whether or not they want to buy that type of insurance or not. Right on. Good. What what I love about your book and what you've laid out is that it's a process. We, we're a big fans of process. We've got a five-step retirement income process that says, go through the most important things first and let each part of the way inform the next part of the way. 
And I think you've done exactly that. You've, you've laid it out in the right order that focus on what you can control first, focus on your psychology and your mindset first. And then here are some technical details to take care of things when life goes well. And then of course, finishing with the last one, managing risk, that helps you take care of things when life doesn't go uh, as planned. So it, mm-hmm. I appreciate the, the thought that went to this. And I think anyone can just follow those seven steps and do incredibly well, but they probably do want more details. And with that, the first three people that email into me, it's jeremy at kylefp.com, J-E-R-E-M-Y at kylefp.com, K-E-I-L-F-P.com. We'll send you out a copy of that book. And if you're not in the first three, we're still going to give you that link. So that link to your book will be in the um, in the, the show notes. So looking forward to having people read your book and, and learn quite a few things from you. Thank you, Jeremy. That's fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if people have read the book and want to get in touch with you, how would they uh, go about doing that? The best way to get in touch with me is through my website, which is stevemedland.com. Excellent. We'll have a, a link to that. That's pretty... Uh, Pretty easy. It's Steve is spelled like normal Steve, right? And uh, mm-hmm. medland.com. So it's, it's pretty easy to get to, but we'll, we'll have a link to that too. Awesome. Well, thanks, Steve, for taking the time, writing the book, getting it out there. And thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Jeremy. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Excellent. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.